You're listening to The New Exchange with Ken Grandpierre, a podcast series that explores how everyone has a story to tell. One of the most unexpected things about the COVID pandemic is how it's made us seek solace with older mediums. For me, that's been video games. I grew up a massive video game nerd, and during the middle of uni, I found myself choosing to play games less in fear of flunking out. And weirdly, I didn't return to playing games until just last year. It's from that experience which led me to chatting to today's guest, the absurdly talented British musician Shura. You most likely know Shura due to her two timeless albums, Nothing's Real and Forever. But she's also an avid video gamer, and throughout 2020, she's made a name for herself over at Twitch. I've known Shura for a few years now, Her personality is such an obvious go-to for streaming video games. But even with knowing that, it's truly been brilliant to watch how she's grown with streaming. It's a reminder that you can bring joy to others by being yourself, especially in a dark time like the COVID pandemic. On today's episode, I chat with Shura about how it's been to stream games over at Twitch, as well as how video games truly are pieces of art that transport you to other worlds. And hell, most of all, We just geek out together over our love of video games. Be sure to give Shura a follow over at Twitch. You can find her at twitch.tv slash Shura. Also, she'll be releasing a deluxe edition of Forever on March 19th, which will feature her new single, Obsession. This is the new exchange with Shura. Enjoy. Man, I am so happy to be chatting with you again. How's your day been going? Yeah, today um, I had a nap about three, four hours ago, which the nap itself was glorious, but then everything after that has been pure and utter hell. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and just like a nap, like can just ruin your day. And it's sort of like, not to like put a downer on the very start of this interview, (laughs) but but I had a nap and it was a big mistake. Um, no, but I feel I feel fine. I just had a Russian class because I'm doing like um, Russian, taking Russian classes once a week. Um, it was a Christmas present that my my parents got me. They like paid for a Russian course. Um, so so I did that, which was my brain was melting a little bit <laughs> after oh, my nap. But I'm good. Yeah, it's been a. I was working on a remix um, today, and and then it was that damn nap. <laughs> I can honestly relate. There's been times where I've like taken naps, woken up, and it's been that weird, itchy feeling of like, what's happening? Where's the world? Like, what's going on? And just like, you almost feel like you're perpetually catching up with the day in a weird way. But, um, you know, one of the big things I want to talk to you about with this, and I'll be mentioning the intro naturally, is that I've talked to you loads in the past about music, but surprisingly, we haven't talked about video games. Like, when did video games enter your life? Video games entered my life via my older brother. Um, so, so I have a brother who's 10 years older than me. Um, so I think when he was about 15, 16, he got a Nintendo 64 for his birthday. And um, we, I remember me and my twin brother, we went round to his house the day that he got it. And it was the first ever like 3D Mario game. So it was like, a, I remember it being a really big deal, which is kind of funny because I, didn't hadn't ever played a 2d mario game but i just knew i because because my brother was like look at this it's 3d and like you can pull his nose around in the start screen and like and i just remember being kind of like really excited it was just really exciting like i'd never seen um a games console before in my life i'd never really 
even seen video games in real life like maybe I'd seen them in movies and and stuff so yeah I remember him getting that and then obviously me and my twin brother probably didn't shut up about it for the next six months and then we managed to get given one for Christmas which is one good thing about getting having twins I guess is sometimes you can get them the same present <laughs> like because <laughs> they can share sometimes sometimes not but um yeah so we we got given one and and that was sort of the beginning of a lifelong love affair really with with video games that's really lovely it kind of reminds me of like how I got into it because for me it was it must have been like around six or seven and uh my mom worked as a hairdresser as like a second job so after school I would go to the hairdresser and I'd be in the room where my mom's working it was like this bit of a circular room with all the different chairs and tables of the women working and there was like a tv and I remember that while they were like watching uh, like, you know, novellas and things like that, when there were commercials, I'd be able to turn it over to N64. But they just happened to have there. I think it was someone else's kid. And that was my entryway. Yeah. And I just remember being like yeah. mind blown that you could just go feel as though you're in another world while you're still just sat down in like a very mundane setting. Yeah, I just remember being like thinking it was fun also finding it scary like there were bits in Mario that were like like the underwater levels were like terrifying to me so it was kind of just like this really exciting world like it wasn't just like and Bowser like and the lava like I remember being like legitimately like terrified of these of these things and um like having to collect stars it's like so simple but um uh yeah that was I think Mario 64 was like my first and then I think a few years later, God, we must have been like 10 years old. It's so inappropriate, the fact that we were playing these games. But like, I remember like GoldenEye and like, that was like a game that we would play a lot with, with our friends. Because we were like basically the only kids, I think, on our street or one of the few kids that had a game, like a game station. And the cool thing about the street that we grew up on was there were like 10 or 12 families, all that had kids around about the same age within like three to five years of each other Mm. and at that age like between kind of like the ages of like 10 and 15 it's not too like if you're 11 years old and someone's like 14 it's not like it it is a big difference but like we somehow like would all of us connect over over the the n64 so we would all play a golden eye and multiplayer (laughs) kill each other and um (laughs) yeah it's just so fucked up thinking about it um so yeah it was kind of like the reason like the reason people came over and we would have people over every single day we would you know in the summer we would play football on the like soccer on the streets you know until it was until it was kind of time to come home but um certainly in the winter we would all just be in the kind of attic of our house which we which basically only me and Nick lived on so it was like the kids had the attic it was kind of a bit like something out of Stranger Things like (laughs) except instead of the basement it was the attic and instead of Dungeons and Dragons we were playing um n64 but yeah it was just like we all that we all just hung out and just played games how wild is that because if you think about just you know past experiences i've been finding myself thinking about this in the context of video games how in a lot of ways in regards to my youth it's like video games can act as a bit of a companion and i'm curious if that's something you felt even as you've gotten older yeah i mean i've never like to be honest like i've i've only recently started playing like online multiplayers um but generally speaking other other than like um you know mario party or like mario kart or 
SSX Tricky or whatever it was that we played together, like a lot of gaming would just be on like on my own and it would just be this kind of world that I would adventure into. And it would it honestly sometimes didn't even matter if I was playing. Like that that was kind of the great thing about sharing a console growing up is that um you know there's like for you there'll be like certain games that like don't appeal to you to play but you quite want to know what happens in them but you like maybe you don't want to actually play it because you don't like I don't know first person shooter or whatever um so the great thing about sharing a console with my my twin for the first half of my life was that I could watch him play the things that I didn't want to and vice versa. Um, so I would just sit and watch and we would, like, I remember like playing Zelda and like when I got to a, you know, Ocarina of Time and when I got to a stage where I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this level or I'm, I'm scared or <laughs> I'm stuck. Like he would take over. Yeah, anything yeah. in the water. <laughs> um, and then he would take over and I would watch and it, it was just as fun and we would kind of like, um back then you had to like buy guides like we didn't have like online guides for like games or like walkthroughs so you would literally like go to whatever store sells the games and you could buy like the zelda guide book i would be like like this being like okay nick so when you get to like this bit you have to like <laughs> and we would just help each other out it would be really fun I remember that viscerally too like those the books you're describing they're like these big magazines that were like weirdly bigger than regular magazines and just that image of like kids getting that is kind of hilarious to me like we hated studying but like would happily read like a novel about how to complete i don't know a section on (laughs) on a game (laughs) i love that you brought up uh legend of zelda ocarina time because that's like a big favorite of mine and funnily enough i honestly feel like that's the first time i noticed how crucial music could play a role in in a video game like it was the first time it kind of stood out to me yeah, Epona's theme. <laughs> oh, it's the best. Yeah. I wonder, like, as a yeah. musician, when you consider that, would you say that there's been times where you've noticed that the music in a game has, like, led you to feel emotionally affected? I was really into the Dead Space series, and I remember, like, the way they would use music there, or even the lack of, would really get me sometimes. I'm always too scared to, I've always been too scared to play Dead Space, which means that by the time this podcast comes out, then all my fans will be begging me to play dead space (laughs) just cut that bit out no i'm kidding uh but no i think you know music and music and video games is like incredibly important and it's you know i I agree i think that ocarina of time was definitely one of the first games where i really noticed music and it made me feel something and like also the frustration when you're like using the little yellow d-pad kind of it's not the d-pad but like the little yellow buttons to to play the ocarina uh, on the N64 controller and you'd be like get all the right notes and then the last one you'd fuck up and you'd be like fuck god damn it <laughs> but um you know that that was obviously I, I remember loving like the the music for Banjo and Kazooie I, I, I loved you know more recently like obviously the music um for The Last of Us um is incredible and you know is is kind of an art form and a piece of art in its own right like I'm playing a game called Visage right now and there's not necessarily music, but the sound design is incredible and really frightening. And it's often like the absence of sound and, you know, which is what you're talking about with Dead Space. And I, this is one of my favorite games ever is, is this uh, platformer called Inside, uh, which was, um, I think it's, is it Play Dead who developed, anyway, the, I think the composer for that was Danish and he, um, like I read somewhere that he like sent waveforms through a human skull 
um, and like recorded the the reverberations and stuff like to make it just feel and sound really creepy. Do you know how you got a human skull? Maybe it was just a skull. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't kill anyone. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but yeah, it's it's you know like it's amazing and it, it like obviously there's great songs that get synced, but like you know I'm not interested in like the FIFA soundtrack. Like it's cool if your song's on FIFA. It's gr- like I'd still love for a song of mine to be on a GTA radio station. Like that would be <laughs> sick. But but I am like super interested in kind of really great um music composition and sound design for for video games because it really like is an art form yeah my favorite game franchises are assassin's creed and mass effect and i mean they brought the mass effect legendary edition you must be excited about that i am so pumped i bought the collector's (laughs) edition with with the the helmet helmet. like yeah yeah. (laughs) the helmet is coming I don't know if it's going to fit on my head, but I, I promised to do a stream with it on if it does. But also, I don't know if I'll be able to see anything. But the soundtrack, the score for Mass Effect is incredible as well. Absolutely amazing score. But it's interesting that yeah. you brought up earlier how, like, we were talking a little bit before the recorder. You're talking about, like, how with the pandemic, you kind of find yourself getting more into video games than you were previously. That was actually similar for me as well, where it was, um, I remember going into uni. I was super into video games in high school. In uni, I started playing them less. And then when I graduated and I was like touring around and also working like odd jobs here and there, I just found myself naturally playing less. So at the top of the pandemic last year, it was just almost like a way to like kill time. I was like visiting my parents and saw my old 360 and I got that. And yeah. then I eventually bought like the Xbox One and played like, because I'm a big Star Wars fan. I just played like a bunch of Star Wars yeah. games and then replayed the Assassin's Creed's and it's just really funny how we're going through this weird, dark, nebulous time in the world, but there's something almost like you could just go into these yeah. stores and feel like you're experiencing them. I think it I think it makes complete sense. I think one, you know, you you do need time to to play video games. Like life just like you need time to watch a TV series or you need time to listen to a podcast. Like it's harder, like at least with a podcast you can do that whilst you're traveling. Like you could you know, unless you've got a Nintendo Switch, like you're not going to be, and they're impossible to get right now anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're not going to be playing like on the go. Um, and also the Nintendo Switch, like I love it, but it's it's not like I tend to like. There are very few play uh, games that I play on the Switch. Like it's it I you know it's my least used. When I use it, it's amazing because I I can take it on tour, and it's like probably one of my favorites for that reason. But um, but most of the gaming that I do, I do on PlayStation or now now that I have a PC, I do it on that. But it makes complete sense because one, we suddenly found ourselves with a lot of unplanned time. Two, like we are so starved, like starved of any kind of, hu- we're starved of human interactions, starved of physical interactions, starved of like any adventure. Like, uh, you know, I, the only place I go to right now is to my grocery store to buy milk <laughs> run out because most of the time I do my big shop like online so that I don't have to go out and so I'm only ever going to the shop to pick up a few bits and bobs that I like ran out of in the week that I you know forgot about or didn't order and I think you know for me like I can't go anywhere but I can ride around on a horse in Red Dead Redemption and pick berries and like go camping and like see this beautiful landscape and that's you know, really nice, like sad. <laughs> it's yeah. sad. But yeah, there's a beauty in that. And I, I brought up Mass Effect because I think I saw you tweeting a couple of weeks ago about like how 
freaking um, out about it. Yeah, freaking <laughs> out about it. And that actually one of your songs, which is a favorite of mine, White Light, yeah? That's like yeah. really about Mass Effect. I remember like, I think you shared that and I was like, fuck off. And then I went back and like listened to the lyrics. I was like, oh, I can like, yeah. I could totally see that in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was like I was completely obsessed with Liara because I was romancing her in my, in my playthrough. So best. I was like, let's write this song about like a sexy alien. <laughs> but um, that was also like the game. I think that was the last big series that I played before um, before I signed my, my first record deal and before Touch. And so it was kind of very much the last big game kind of on my mind. And I think, you know, when I started writing my, you know, trying to finish or start even my my first record properly because I hadn't really written much other than touch like for that record by the time that got released um I have this kind of like emotional attachment to it because it was sort of the last game I played when I was still like a normal person (laughs) I don't know a weird a weird way to but like so for me it's like getting back into that and like being excited about playing that again in 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 May is kind of like a nice way to sort of almost connect to like your inner child one your inner child you know the the person that used to play video games a lot growing up but also like that person that I was before you know I I was a musician only you know because you're never only a musician but obviously that's how um people that's how you know how you present to the world yeah no I totally get that it's very similar to how I feel as well because it's actually similar. That was the last big franchise I was into. And just the idea of revisiting those stories and those characters, it's trippy because I just, I feel like naturally just being a bit older and having experienced the world more, there's probably like themes that totally went over my head as like a teenager or someone in their early 20s that like, they'll probably resonate more. Um, Something I was really keen to talk to you about is like how throughout the pandemic, you've been streaming games on Twitch. And yeah. I, mean, I want to ask you so much about that, namely... Like, what intrigued you to give that a go? Because for people who know you, you are, like, quite naturally funny. But I know from talking to Thanks. you... Yeah, well, you're welcome. Well, I've, I've asked you about this before, and I actually remember what you said. You said something really funny. Like, I pointed out how you're funny, and you said something along the lines that was, like, quite profound. It was something along the lines of, like, I think I'm funny because I don't think I'm funny. Like, it was something, like, as pointed as that. Who the fuck knows? Honestly, yeah. <laughs> Um, I think, well, firstly, um, I was being asked to, at the very start of the pandemic, I was being asked a lot to do live streams, you know, performing acoustic strip back sets. And I fucking hated it. I hated it so much. Um, One, like, I just don't think that the music, you know, I can sit and play an acoustic guitar and or, you know, I can, that's fine. Like, but it's just the mute the rec- both the records that I made like I don't think they translate really well and you know I was in the middle of touring a record when I had to stop and you know I didn't really want to spend the rest of the pandemic performing versions of a song of the songs that weren't how I wanted to perform them too like they were all more or less exclusively all unpaid which which I was kind of a bit like I thought was kind of like horrible in a way it was kind of like lots of lots of musicians being asked at kind of like pretty much you know it's one of the most traumatic times for all of us in our lives like that we will ever experience um but like for musicians it's you know incredibly difficult because basically 50 percent of like what you do has just disappeared um 
so it kind of just I just didn't I didn't want to live stream music I didn't want to sit down and play crap versions of my songs to a wall and have people type like cute or <laughs> like about the music do you know what I mean and like yeah. it just felt weird it felt really wrong um and anyway I was um the last of us part two came out and I was planning on coming you know originally was planning on coming back to London around about when it came out because um it was around my mine and my twin's birthday I was gonna watch him play it because um I was too scared to play it and it just became really obvious that that couldn't happen like I couldn't go back to London so I was like but I want to watch I want to see this game and so we tried doing like share play where I would watch him play but he could only sort of play when I was awake and the time difference was too much and it was just like not fair like because he just wanted to play it and I didn't want to be like you have to wait till like 3 p.m till I'm awake to do it so I was just like, just go play it. And me and my girlfriend, like, we're going to try and play it. Fuck it. We're going to try. <laughs> so, so we just did it. And whenever we were, we were playing it, I, it took us three days to complete. Whenever it got too scary, I just passed the controller to Pauline. Uh, and she was just like kicking ass. <laughs> and it, like wasn't afraid of the zombies. Um, and so I was like, wait, so I can, I can play these scary games. That's cool. And I think, there was all this, I don't know, you must have been aware of it, but like all this really nasty, horrible discourse around that game because there were some leaks and people didn't like what happened in the story and it sort of manifested itself as kind of really anti-Semitic, homophobic, transphobic kind of vitriol online. And it, I just got like fucking mad. I was fucking pissed off, to, to be honest. I was like, fuck all y'alls. Like this game is great. Um, fuck you for like, making this toxic i'm i'm gonna play it and i'm gonna stream it and um create this kind of safe space because i knew that a lot of my fans were also like playing this game or wanted to play or wanted to watch it and um because it's like a big moment it's like the first one of the first probably the first triple a game where you've got a lesbian lead like it's um a big deal um i wanted to create this kind of safe space environment where we could all kind of watch it and there wouldn't be like a bunch of dickheads going like fuck you and fuck this and whatever anyway um so I was like okay I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it and then I <laughs> this one night before I decided to actually you know properly push the button we have like the twitch app on our tv so I just went on went on the app and I was like let's have a look at you know how people do it like I'm just curious like could I do this um and I like landed on this uh streamer called chell her tag is like chell of a game chell oag chell of a gamer it's like a pun anyway she's kind of this awesome very funny um streamer like not not a massive like not like a you know not ninja or anything like that but i just sort of don't know how i just plonked i think probably one of the first women I i saw playing this the last of us to be honest like that's probably why I was like, oh, here's a woman and, you know, she's black and it's just nice to see, like, someone who's not not just, like, a white, straight dude playing a game. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to watch Chell. And she was fucking hilarious. And then I just, like, I remember, like, laughing so much because she was, like, screaming about all the... <laughs> screaming at all the clickers. And I was like, I'm going to follow. And then when I followed, like, this big thing came up saying we are sure like followed and like all the and I screamed because I was like in the dark like <laughs> like and it was so loud and I just screamed because I wasn't like expecting to basically be called out on like following 
<laughs> you know, I didn't, I just didn't understand Twitch. Um, and then it, I basically, because of her, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. I, I feel like I could. It's a really long answer to your question. But, um, <laughs> yeah. And then I had to actually figure out how to physically do it. But that's sort of like the journey of like, it was, it was like, I didn't want to live stream music and I kind of, it felt like the right time with this game and, and what was happening around it. And I'd played it once. So I knew like, I knew what to do at least. <laughs> I knew it wouldn't be like, fuck. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I kind of had to actually figure out how to technically do it. And that was a challenge. It's been a joy watching your Twitch channel because I think like what you've really like hit a great um, stride with and in, particularly in the context of The Last of Us is that like I haven't played that franchise yet I've been meaning to but I feel like when I've watched your streams or you playing it you have the reactions that I'm having in my head watching different scenarios go through and yeah I mean that was a long answer that you had but it's good because you brought up a lot of things that I wanted to touch on I mean I I remember reading about the game as it came out and being fascinated that you know that a lesbian relationship was at the forefront of a game like that and how did it feel to see that depicted in a game on an emotional level because from what I've been told from friends is that it feels very I don't know if respectful is the world but it feels a lot more realized than you know a lot of other things I think it's it's better acted better written than a lot of film and tv like as simple as that like it's it feels it's weird weird to say about like a zombie apocalypse game that it feels real um but but the relationships do feel really real in that and i think the great thing about ellie and, and dina is that it feels really natural it doesn't feel like sensationalized it's sort of incidental but also incredibly important to the storyline like there, there's this kind of like of course ellie is of course she always was like it makes complete like i remember so there's like um a game between them like a dlc called left behind where it's sort of reveals Ellie's sexuality um and I think you know like there's probably a lot of <laughs> it's funny like it's funny to say like when you know watching you know because I watched my twin play the first one I have now played it myself but like kind of thinking about a fictional like 12 year old being like be gay like because you're just <laughs> like you're just like rooting for them to be gay because they're like a tomboy and just like just need to be gay and so like when it happened it was this kind of like yes they were they were they did it they were brave enough like I'm so happy especially when you think about like the market like you know I touched upon like you know a moment ago like how I was just really relieved to like see a streamer that wasn't a straight white man (laughs) but like the gaming world is so white and it's so straight and it's so douchey like so like just the biggest dicks (laughs) I've ever seen like some of the some of the that's been kind of actually interesting with Twitch is just like diving. I feel like with music, you know, and having you know, I have social media, but like I can kind of really curate my experience on Twitter. Like I don't have to follow shit. I can block people, and I can do that on Twitch. Of course, I can. But like diving into Twitch felt like diving into like all the worst and funnest parts of the internet all at the same time. <laughs> like, um, you know, so it's kind of like yeah, and diving sort of first into it and just being like well fuck it like I'm I don't know so it, it, felt, it felt like a really important moment in uh in video games to have that, that that character and that relationship um portrayed in that way and I was emotional I mean I'm I'm really emotional anyway I get emotional <laughs> like any anything I'm like quite easy to like uh I'm quite a soppy person but um yeah it was a really emotional experience and actually I think 
the the more separation I have from playing it or from having completed it for the first time, the more I, the more it kind of grows in in sort of because I think when I finished it, I was like that was that was really good, and then the longer you spend apart from it, you're like wait, it was amazing, and that's sort of what pissed me off actually about kind of the immediate kind of vitriolic reaction because one it's just a lot of like dude gamer bro homophobic racist gamer bros just being dicks but um the other is just like give it a chance like just sit with it like it's it's a it is it's it's a tv show it's a it's a movie it's that good it you know and i'm glad they're making it into a, a show actually um because I think there's so many amazing things in that story. And it's also fucking hilarious playing a game about a pandemic in a pandemic. <laughs> I just want to say it's different. No, that really is trippy. And I'm I'm glad that you brought all that up because something that, and I also love that you had that experience because something that's been weird to me with getting back into video games is that when I was a teenager, I was into like a lot of the first person shooters, like your Halos and your Call of Duty and like Battlefield. And it was like vitriolic then. And I remember yeah. like, when I got back into video games like a couple of months ago, I had it very much in the forefront of my mind that I'm going to get back into games, but be very careful about how I engage with it because I follow some games media and it's very weird how intense it could be. Like it feels like people really struggle to have a passive opinion on a video game whatsoever. And it just led me to wonder with you. I mean, when you think back to earlier on in your career where you dealt with like music criticism for the first time, I mean, yeah, I guess, I mean, actually, I guess I already know. It doesn't match up anywhere to how people, like, critique video games, right? Like, it doesn't... I, I wonder if there's this weird... Like, I don't feel people think they own albums in the same way people think that they own video games or they own characters. Like, like people go, why would you do that to Joel? As if Joel is, like, their actual dad. Or, <laughs> um, you know, or why have you made Ellie gay like oh hang on a second like what who cares if she just because she's not gonna snog you now like this fictional <laughs> child in a video game like I mean like what's it's so fucking weird um so I wonder if that because because when you when you are playing video games like you're interacting them with them in a really different way like to watching a movie or saying listening to an album you can have obviously incredibly emotional deep relationships to to, to records and and to film uh but you're not a part of them you're not a part of the story in any way necessarily you can be like oh that feels like it's about me but like when people are playing like this is me I'm doing this I'm I'm the one making you know and especially if you think about games like Mass Effect where you are making decisions that affect your who lives and who dies and who you fall in love with and all that kind of stuff like I wonder if because of that the interactive element of video games where whether it affects the way people respond emotionally to things that they dislike um yeah or they have that they want to have control you know they want to have control over every element of the thing that they have some control over like the physically you know they physically control the character but they actually also want control over the narrative and the control over i don't know everything it's it's really it's it's weird and i do think people need to ch- chill the fuck out <laughs> <laughs> no i'm i you couldn't have put it any better. And, you know, going on like a bit of a nicer area, like while trying to is that, you know, I think it's really brilliant how you can build a community on Twitch. I mean, I think that's one of the big major things that sets it apart from other platforms. And yeah, how's that been for you? Because I mean, 
I've realized with watching your Twitch, by the way, and I'm curious if this has popped up in your mind at all, that there's definitely people who watch your streams who have no idea that you're a musician that sells out shows all over the world, and that yeah. is hilarious. I think that's part of the appeal, though, as well. There's something, there was something for me that was really exciting about coming to Twitch and, and gaming there rather than doing music, because, of course, you know, Twitch really want musicians to be doing shows there, too. Uh, they, you know, they really want they really want Twitch to be known as a platform that's not just for for gaming because if it's just for gaming, then it's it, you know that's a pretty it's a very lucrative, but it's still a pretty big niche. I was really excited by the idea that I could come to a platform and be a nobody, like you know, because if I release a song, then probably Pitchfork has to post about it like reluctantly. <laughs> oh, fuck, <laughs> sure has put a song out. Here's a song. She posted it. Uh, but, you know, like I've got so kind of a stage in, in my music career where it's like people kind of have to mention me politely. Like they don't have to necessarily say that they think everything I do is great. Although for the most part, like people do still say that, which is great. Not that any of it matters because you shouldn't believe the good stuff and you shouldn't believe the bad stuff uh, either. But I was kind of excited that I could come to somewhere and I'd have like, I don't know, 25, 50 people who are there because they love my music and they just want to hang out with other queer kids and watch video games and laugh like I you know the main thing that I hope that people do and they come to my streams is they laugh and like for an hour or three kind of just forget about how shit the world is but but I was also just really excited that I could go somewhere and like try and build something like myself with like no help like no PR like my manager is amazing but he doesn't know anything about Twitch. Like, so he's not like there being like, oh, you should do this and you should do that. Like, he probably doesn't even really know what Twitch is. I don't know if he's even watched a stream. Um, but it was something that in this world that, you know, in a world that I can't control pretty much anything right now, like I can't control when I'm going to tour again. I can't control when I can go back to the studio and make records again the way that I'd like to. Um, I can't control when I feel inspired to write because I haven't left the house in a year. Like, um, it was something that I could control, that I could be like, oh, I feel like playing this video game today and I'm going to play it for three hours and I'm going to laugh and I'm, or I'm going to scream <laughs> shitloads <laughs> because I'm fucking terrified. Um, and I can do this completely on my own. I don't have to ask for any help. I don't have to ask anyone to send a press release. I can just do it. And that was kind of really like empowering at a time where I feel like most musicians feel very powerless, yeah. which is nice. And also we have just created this really love, like it's a really cute community. Like it's so sweet. And like half of them also stream and they're all in each other's streams, watching it. Like they're all playing, you know, we're all playing rust together at the at moment in a private server, which is nice. Cause we can play for like half an hour without being killed. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just a night, you know, I joke that it's kind of like a big sofa in the sky where we can all hang out. Because um, that is kind of, it's just like playing a modern version of that thing I used to do with all the kids on my street, which is we'd all play Nintendo and sit on the sofa and eat ice cream and kill each other. And it's like, well, <laughs> we can do that now, but like on the internet. And instead of like 10 kids on a sofa, it's, you know, 50 kids. Dude, that's the sweetest thing in the world there. Big sofa in the sky. I really like that. I only have a couple more questions for you. Thanks again for taking the time. Because, oh, that's right. And I'll also like to add for people who are listening who haven't checked out your streams before um, and they don't know where to start. What are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? 
I highly recommend doing? that they check out your streams of Cyberpunk because oh my god, those crack! I laugh way too loud at those. Oh my god, so the the cursed mod, <laughs> the eyeball! Like I was in my own eyeballs. It was so creepy. Oh god! <laughs> it's just that you know, you know, like I mentioned before about like how hilarious you are, but I think what I was trying to hit home about is like how it's wild to me where. I think usually when I watch something online, uh, even if it's somebody streaming uh, in a very genuine way, there's always like this almost invisible degree of separation where I think to myself, like, oh, they're like putting on a show a bit. But like when yeah. I've watched your streams, it's been hilarious just going like, oh, no, that's that's her. Very that's literally her. what she's like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I've had a bit of practice. Like like the, the good thing about coming to streaming, you know, is like, you know, I've done interviews and I've done you know I've been on the radio and I've done a tiny bit of tv and so like I've had at least a bit of practice at what you know practicing being myself like because it is really it's actually really difficult to be yourself in front of a camera like the first thing you want to do is like stare at yourself and be like what do I look like um uh, so I, I'm I feel fortunate that one the stuff that I did before I started streaming would have helped me be more natural but also that the stuff that I've learned while streaming is going to help me when I go to do music or if ever I do decide to finally like play a show online <laughs> to a wall well shortly after this episode comes out you'll be releasing a deluxe edition of forever your amazing yes. second album which you announced with a lovely tune called obsession which is fucking badass yeah. thank how, you how did it feel putting music out it was nice to remember that's my job. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, this is my real job. Um, it's always amazing releasing music. I love releasing music. And, and in fact, I think my favorite part of releasing music is actually just teasing releasing music the day before. Like, that's the best <laughs> time where I'm like, there's music, but you can't hear it yet. Um, I think that's something that I've always really enjoyed, um, which is kind of like taking the piss out of my own fans. Um, I do love a good roast. Yeah, it was it was really nice. Like, you know, obviously it's it feels weird releasing a, you know, a deluxe almost two years after a record came out, like it will be in, in August. Um, but I think, you know, one thing I'm really glad that there may be some people who will get to listen to this record that maybe didn't the first time round. And I, you know, I think it's a great record. And I think that the more people that hear it, the better. And two, like just it was fucking difficult to make me <laughs> it's been like it took me like six to eight months to finish that track because me and Rosie weren't in the same place. Like, we couldn't get to London. We tried to do it remotely, and it didn't work. And, you know, finally I did come to London. So it's just, you know, it's incredibly difficult um, to, make, to make music. And, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to, <laughs> I know some people are like, maybe it's a new album. I'm like, have you, have you, like, do you know me? Like, it takes me three years to make a record, and, like, we've been in a pandemic. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> yeah. No. Um, you know, but um, hopefully I'll have time this year to start, um, Hopefully there'll be time and, and space and, and the world will be in a better place for me to kind of actually write new stuff for, you know, an EP or another record yeah. and not just play video games. Although I love doing that. That's great. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes all the sense to me because you brought up earlier that, I mean, just when you consider the way we've been forced to live throughout this pandemic, it's like, how do you find yourself feeling inspired? And I mean, especially with you when it comes to just living out and about, I mean, I know when it comes to your writing, especially with that last album you put out, a lot of the songs were very much about just existing in the world or like existing in your thoughts from experiences you had with other people in other places, which 
yeah. I think was a big way people connected with that album. I yeah. wonder, like, with any of the songs you found yourself writing in the last couple months, if you've written any songs at all, have you found yourself just, like, yeah. feeling like you need to, like, almost look back at those songs, like, later on? Like, because imagine it's almost a thing where you don't want to force the writing, right? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I've written maybe three or four songs that I like in the last year because it is just incredibly hard when you are a writer that draws from personal experience particularly present personal experience like or near past which is sort of what I've always done and all you've done is stay indoors it's fucking difficult and you know I don't don't want to fucking write a song about being stuck inside and I don't want other people to have to listen to that song like no like if someone wants to do it go ahead I'm also not going to listen to it like I don't want to fucking listen to it so it is tough I think you know we do have to like practice other ways of being creative so like for me it's like fun to do remixes um because I'm not you know I'm coming from a place where there's already an idea that's fully formed that I can then be inspired by and riff off you know also there are ways of writing which are you know not about personal experience but like maybe you know an imagined experience but I just it's never been kind of my strength to write that way so I think you know not not just artists but I think we're all going to thrive or remember how to thrive because that's the thing it's going to take a bit of time getting used to as things slowly go back to what is as close to normal as can be post a because the thing is we're never going to go back to what it was like that's just not how it is like never is like you can't go like after the pandemic because you know, when it's over, well, it's, it doesn't, yeah, the pandemic itself is over, but we're all reacting globally, economically to a a different, you know, a world that has been absolutely devastated. So it's going to take time, but I, you know, I, I just always try and keep the faith that, that there will come a time where there will be, imagine a point in the future, because there will be one where you do feel inspired and it's just like holding on to that and just going like there will be a time there will be a time where I feel inspired and like want to write a really beautiful song about a really amazing experience that I've just had it's just not fucking now man sure yeah. thanks so much for catching over this has been a lot of fun I knew it would be and it's just yeah. great to, we have to finally do this man yeah I'm sorry that I was like ended up like in a bolognese land and couldn't do yesterday but it was uh, <laughs> it was it was well received by my mum at least so that's good Thank you so much for checking this out. Be sure to subscribe to The New Exchange via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you stream podcasts. Until next time, thank you for listening.